The following sermon is from Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to FAPC.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. Our scripture reading for the day comes from the Gospel according to John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Hear now God's word for you today. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Friends, this is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, what an honor and a joy it is to be back here at Fifth Ave with you, my dear friends. A special thank you to Jonah for his warm welcome. I can't wait to witness all the ways this church will be blessed by Jonah's ministry. But most of all, I can't wait to witness all the ways he will be blessed by all of you. It is hard to believe that it has been almost a year since I left this place to pursue a new call at First Presbyterian Church of Berkeley, a community of faith much like Fifth Ave that desires to engage both heart and mind, body and soul, as we seek to follow Jesus Christ. I bring you all warm greetings from your sister church in California. I also recognize that many of you out there don't know me. Maybe you started worshiping with Fifth Ave in recent months. Maybe you are just dipping your toe into or back into these spiritual waters. 
Whatever the case, I want you to know how encouraged I am that you sought out this sacred community. As someone who spent over a decade in the warm embrace of this church, I can confidently say that you did your soul a favor. Okay, now that we are officially among friends, I'm just going to get to the point and give it to you straight. While it is great to be back, I have to admit it is also incredibly weird. In some ways, it feels like no time has passed, and in other ways, it feels like lifetimes have occurred since I last stepped foot into this chapel. When I left the city back in October, most of it was still closed, still on pause. Yet months later, this city is back, full of life and energy. New York feels foreign and yet familiar, new and yet old, different and yet the same. Just yesterday, I was walking in Central Park when I ran into a friend I hadn't seen in almost two years. As we walked towards one another, we both pulled down our masks as if to verify that, yes, we did indeed know each other, and that, yes, we were indeed smiling, happy that our paths happened to collide in that moment. Thanks to the marvels of modern technology, we knew the basic updates on each other's lives, or at least the updates we were both willing to publish on the internet. And so it didn't take long for the questions to start flying. How's California, New York? How's your family? How's work, et cetera, et cetera. But after we sailed through those initial catch-up questions, just one question remained, the once generic but now dreaded question of any and every conversation. How are you? Now, I don't know about you, but I no longer know how to answer that question. It is entirely possible that I am overthinking it. But after a year of being in my own head, after a year of not being around people in person, after a year of sheltering in place or social distancing or whatever we're calling it these days, after a year of life in the midst of a pandemic, I vacillate between feeling like I could write a novel to answer that question or have nothing to say at all. I too feel foreign and yet familiar, new and yet old, different and yet the same. It's almost as if the more appropriate question to be asking these days isn't how are you, but who are you? Are you the same person you were two years ago, one year ago, six months ago, six weeks ago? Are you still defined by the same things? Do you still spend your time the same way? Do you still speak the same language, lean on the same people? Do you still believe the same things, profess the same God? And buried underneath these questions is this pressure, this expectation, and maybe even this hope that we will all emerge from this crazy season better than we were before. The title of a recent article in The Atlantic sums it up perfectly. A once-in-a-lifetime chance to start over. Subtitle, it's time to prepare for a new and better normal than your pre-pandemic life. In this article, professor and contributing writer Arthur C. Brooks advises readers on how to return to a new normal that surpasses the old one. How, you might ask? By doing three simple things. First, collect your data. Write down what you liked and didn't like about pre-pandemic times. For example, I liked going out to dinner. 
but I didn't like having to schlep across town to get there. Then write down what you liked and didn't like about pandemic times. For example, I liked spending more time with my family, but I didn't necessarily, necessarily like being with them all day, every day, for 18 months. Now, once you have collected your data, it's time to make some honest and realistic decisions, which leads to steps two and three. Step two, make a list of the things you want to leave behind. And step three, make a list of what to keep. And then voila, just like that, you are a new person, your best post-pandemic self. Now, if only Jesus was that direct, that clear, that prescriptive in our passage for the day. After all, Nicodemus is just there to learn. He is the one who sought out Jesus. He refers to him as rabbi or teacher and acknowledges the miraculous signs that Jesus has performed which is interesting in and of itself because Nicodemus is a Pharisee, which means he already knows his stuff, he knows his religion, he knows his God. And so when Jesus also casually mentions that no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above, Nicodemus's interest is piqued because none of what Jesus is saying resembles what he has been taught before. None of what Jesus is saying makes much sense at all. And so naturally, the questions start flowing. Rabbi, how can someone be born after having grown old? What exactly are the three steps to being born again? Step one, go back into your mother's womb. Step two, regenerate labor. Step three, deliver yourself. I'm not sure I'm tracking. And instead of clarifying things, well, Jesus just adds more and more layers of complicated details about water and spirit and wind, leaving Nicodemus even more confused, finally asking, how can these things be? I so appreciate Nicodemus. He is like that relentless kid in class who always asks the teacher like a hundred questions. And while the rest of the class publicly groans in annoyance, everyone is secretly grateful because he's actually asking the questions we all want to ask, but don't, because we're afraid to look foolish or dumb. Meanwhile, Nicodemus doesn't care. He is eager and earnest and precise. He knows that Jesus has some special connection to God. And so whatever Jesus is selling, Nicodemus is interested in buying. But Jesus isn't selling a new list of rules or a revised set of laws. He isn't hawking the same old product with a different coat of paint. No, Jesus is offering transformation, new life, rebirth, free of charge. All Nicodemus has to do is believe and receive this holy gift. Easier said than done, right? Friends, I know that after a year and a half of so much death, it almost seems inappropriate to talk about birth. After all, just this past week, the World Health Organization reported that over 4 million people have now died as a result of the coronavirus. In the U.S. last year, gun violence killed nearly 20,000 Americans. And so far, this year is proving to be even deadlier than the last. 
Then on top of all the literal death we have witnessed and grieved over, there is also the immense amount of figurative death we have endured as a society and as individuals. As it turns out, we are not who we were two years ago, one year ago, six months ago, six weeks ago. We have seen too much, experienced too much, suffered too much. And so for every well-meaning article out there about making the most of the pandemic, there are countless more about how so many of us are anxious and afraid to re-emerge into a reality that is not the one we left behind. It's true. The world isn't the same. But guess what? Neither are we. Yes, our hearts have been broken in more ways than one. Yes, our eyes have been opened to more sins than one. But as people of faith, we believe that in the midst of it all and through it all, God has been transforming us, creating new life in us, and bringing about rebirth in us, whether we are aware of it or not. In the words of Sikh activist Valerie Carr, what if... What if this darkness is not the darkness of the tomb, but the darkness of the womb? What if we are foreign and familiar, new and old, different and the same? What if there is life after death? What if we are capable of being born again and again and again? You might be thinking to yourself, how can these things be? Well, to be fair, Jesus did answer that question, just not in the way Nicodemus expected him to. For instead of giving him a plan, Jesus gave Nicodemus proof. And the proof of God's amazing love is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, yesterday, today, and forevermore. Hear now this benediction from the good people at First Presbyterian Church of Berkeley. Go and love concretely even when it is risky, Serve generously whoever has need, and pursue God's restoring justice until it flows down like water. Amen.